ruin America. Right now, however, speaking of ruining America, the poor uh, youth, the, the poor youth, the poor youth of Booth Bay today. I can't even did did anyone from Booth Bay even show up to school today? Ryan Palmer's here from the Deergo Cougars. He's the head baseball coach of the Deergo Cougars. Coach, you finally get a game in on Friday, and 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 you make the paper, and definitely not the way you probably wanted to make it, but you get the win, all right? So that's good, right? We'll start off yeah, with that. You get I, the win. I guess the the, the win's important. Um, just to kind of briefly talk about it. I knew Booth Bay was going to be down. They did have a lot of seniors last year, but they did bring back uh, actually the two coaches, kids. Uh, one was a decent pitcher, and I knew they had about three or four players that at least knew how to play the game. And, of course, we played at Lisbon because our fields weren't ready. And we showed up for batting practice. We added that 11. Then they showed up. And Coach Crocker comes up, who I know very, very well, and says, yeah, we're a little shorthanded today. My five best players are not here, my two sons included. And I thought, uh-oh. And, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, that's that's not the best. No. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Ryan, We most of us that coach any length of time have been through some situation. I've, I've been fortunate to not to have been on that end, the Booth Bay end, but I've been on the end in football where you're so much stronger than the other team, you could name the score, and you can't have your kids not play hard or not do the best job that they can. It's not It's not fair to them in their development. You can't tell your baseball players to go up there and strike out or your pitcher to throw up lollipops and whatever. I mean, you might tell them only throw fastballs so that you know we get some, some infield practice and whatever, but th- there's not a lot you can do when your midway, team is that much better. The first inning, we probably had about maybe 17 runs at that point with one out, and that's when I stopped stealing bases. I even went as far as I stopped going on pass balls, which actually I am against because I think it's just as embarrassing to get a team when you're not sure. going on purpose. That's obvious. So we did not go home on a pass ball, and their coach yelled out, thank you, coach. So that told me right there that he was okay. That's what he wanted. So I continue to do that. Sure. So when you get walked 35 times, wow. it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that some runs are going to be forced in, and there's nothing I can do about that. No. I told my guys in the second inning, I expanded my strike zone. I said anything from the chin down to the ankle, <laughs> swing at it. Be hacking. Throwing, throwing the ball five feet over the catcher's head or bouncing it ten feet in front of the plate, my kids are not swinging at that. I'm not teaching that bad habit. And with the bases loaded and in a walk, a run scores. You know, a base hit with the bases loaded, a run scores. I mean, we had a guy on second base, and a base uh, a hit over the center field of his head all the way to the wall. I'm sorry, but I'm sending that guy at second. That's just the way <laughs> the game's supposed to be Absolutely. played. Yeah, I think the I saw some of the things on Twitter and whatever, and you know, it just tells me that somebody hasn't been there or they don't have any idea what they're talking about. Well, because it's not that, but I just I thought that anybody that wasn't at the game shouldn't have an opinion unless you know what happened. I mean, Cooper Chasen missed the cycle by a single in the first inning. Well, all you need to do is look at, you know, if if I looked at eight runs in one inning, eight runs in the next inning, eight runs, you know, whatever. Okay, then you can make a case that, what's the story here? But when I saw 17 runs in the first inning, I mean, I knew right away that they were overmatched. No, I didn't know they had players out until I saw you writing on Twitter. Um, you know, they're overmatched. Their pitcher, I mean, when I saw all the walks and whatever, I mean, you could you could feel exactly what was happening. And there's nothing you can do about it. No, and people were saying, you know, I'm sure administration is going to call him into school first thing Monday morning. And I, first of all, after the game, I immediately called my athletic director and told them what happened. 
because I knew something was going to sure. be said. And I talked to, to Mike Poole this morning as well, and I just told him, I said, the day that this school tells me that I have to teach or preach intentional failure is the day that I walk out of the school yeah. and never come back. That's absolutely right. You, you can't. And, you know, I've, I've seen the other side of that. My, my daughter, um, as you know, played two sports, and when she was younger, playing youth uh, hockey, she played on a women's team, and they went to a tournament in Connecticut. And the Connecticut Polar Bears, a women's uh, ice hockey team, well, they were 19 and under, were the, I don't know, four-time defending national champions, and they were in this tournament that my daughter was in. And they had Angela Ruggiero. Well, really, it was uh, four of the girls were eventually on the Olympic team. That's how good they were. And just to kind of talk about how inexperienced Booth Bay was, and I'm not poking fun or I'm not making fun of him, it's just it's the reality of it. They were up the bat, and the kid hit a foul ball over their dugout into the woods. So their coach from the third base coach's box yells out that somebody has to get, go get that foul ball. The on-deck batter drops his bat and runs into the woods after the ball. Rut row. Well, so, that's... I mean, they are just so... I, mean, I that, felt bad. That know? might have been the first time I've seen that. Let me finish my story, though. Uh, so the other team gets way ahead, and they stop playing keep away. They're passing the puck around, and I talked to my daughter after the game, and she said, I am so pissed. I said, well, you know, the, the score was only 13 and nothing, you know, whatever, in ice hockey. And she said, no, not about that. I would rather they score 20 goals than play keep away. She said, you want to talk about embarrassing I want them to play. You know, if we get yeah. our, our nose rubbed in it, well, that's the way sports go sometimes. I mean, this is my daughter talking. That's the way it goes sometimes. Would I like it? No. But she said, I'll be done. I want to sit there and have them pass it around the, the zone and keep it away from us. She said, that's the most embarrassed I've ever been in my life. So that's the other side of what happens with for you as a coach. You can't tell your players swing at something that's in the dirt or over your, you. Don't, you can't do that. My senior year back in 2000, we went to Karabek, and the top of the first inning, we scored 16 runs. We got them one, two, three. We come back up in the top of the second, score 50. So after two innings, we're up 31 nothing. So our coach goes to the umpires and goes to their coach, and what they decided to do was let Karabek bat three consecutive times, almost like a nine-out inning, essentially, so they could get their five times up to the plate to make the game official. Wow. I even went as far as trying to do that. And the umpire said, no, it's, that has to go an actual four and a half to make an official game, so we can't do that. But on the other side of things, I really wasn't heartbroken that they told me no because my subs all got five plate appearances. Sure. So it's, it's unfortunate, but I don't know what else I could have done. No, I think that you couldn't. That, that's, I, I, I just don't, you know, I know that, you know, you could you could bring in a really young pitcher and, Hope that they hit the ball a little bit so you have some fielding practice, whatever. But, again, that's that's one of their responsibilities. Number one, to have their guys there. Did he say why they weren't there? Um, a, a couple on a school trip and a couple are actually on just an actual vacation. You know, and I, again, I, I, I'm old school. You know that. <laughs> not a surprise to you. But I've been there. You know, where you say to kids, no, you, you're not going to be here during April vacation. Then you're not going to play on the team. I, I'm with you, but another thing I think that 
the conference itself could do is there's always like seven or eight days at the end of the regular season before the playoffs start. Now, they say that for makeups. Well, the conference actually has a rule that says the games have to be made yeah. up the next available day. Almost so everybody has that, that now. If you follow that rule, then you shouldn't need seven or eight days at the end of the regular season to get ready for the playoffs. So why not start your regular season the Wednesday after vacation? That way there are kids that are gone that week, have Monday and Tuesday to get back into the swing of things before game start. I, I have, have no n- idea why we play with April break. I have never understood that. April vacation should be free and clear because everyone, that's the whole reason you should even have April vacation because the people that played sports in February got screwed out of their vacation. That's exactly what it is. And then they complain and they're shocked, stunned, blown away when people go and take a week off to go to Florida the week after February vacation. We just had a vacation. Uh, no, uh, the kids that were playing on the basketball team were down repping your school all week, winning a state title. But then they're stu- they're stunned when they're when they when they go away for a week the next week. Like, come on! And well, then they they set them up to do the same thing again in the spring. And half these games that are done during the week of April vacation are freaking pushed off until later on in the week or whenever. So it's not like you can make plans anyway. Yeah, see, I liked it when there were no regular season games scheduled in April vacation for a couple reasons. As a coach. Number one, forget about the people not being there. Let's just say everybody's everybody's there. I like it because the weather has been so lousy. Number one, you haven't been outside. Number two, I used to schedule a doubleheader for every single day during vacation, figuring oh, maybe we'll get two of them in. So at least you get a chance to get your team some game action uh, during that week before they actually have to play games that count on their record. So... For me, I like not having games for that reason. I think you could do do any of them. I think there's multiple reasons for that. Did I? I mean, did when I was coaching at Mount Abram, I had a kid that saw his father twice a year, once over April break. How could I ever say no to that? Right. What kind of person am I to say no? You can't go see your dad. <laughs> yeah. You jerk. Come on. Right. Running up the score on kids, telling kids that they can't yeah, go see their the parents team. if you want to play on the team. Like, my God, I don't even I don't even know you anymore, you know? Sheesh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Ryan Palmer, he's the head ba- baseball coach of Jericho. So, okay, with all of that stuff set aside, um, what what are you able to learn about your team in a game like that that you can learn and use for, for later on in the year? You like, know what? It, it, it's very hard for high school kids to do this. My team was about as professional as they could be in a game like that. They never once poked fun at Booth Bay. They never once stopped doing anything that I have ever told them to do. They were still, I mean, the game's 31 to nothing, and all my guys are still up on the bench cheering on whoever's hitting or whoever's pitching or anything like that. I mean, that kind of showed a lot of character right there, so that, that was good to see. Um, other than that, it was, I mean, I hate to say this, but I think we probably would have got more out of a practice or an inter-squad scrimmage or something like that. But the right. game had to be played. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Ryan, I had another question for you that you, you talked about when you, when you were in the studio the other day, talking with coaches around. Um, size of teams have decreased dramatically over the last couple of years. Um I know Oak Hill, I'm, I'm positive, doesn't have JVs. Uh, you know, you did all your work to create a JV team. Numbers are a little small. I'm hearing that all over the place, and not just baseball, every sport. What What's yeah, up with that? What are you feeling? After, after our game, uh, Coach Ridley from Lisbon, who was the acting AD at his school, um, we actually went over to Oak Hill and watched Oak Hill Mount Abram. 
Vaughn Abram had 11 kids there. They're missing two or three, so they only have about 14 total. Oak Hill was in the same boat. They had maybe 12 there, and I don't think they have any more than 15 total in their whole program. No, I think that's it. Yeah, I know Monmouth is not over 15 in theirs. You know, we're at 16. It's just it's down across the board. Do you have any sense for why? I, I really I don't. I mean, I would like to think that the reason why our numbers were down was because the word really didn't get out about us having a JV schedule, and there's a lot of confusion there. So I think it might have been a lot like basketball, where kids were like, well, if there's only going to be one team, but there's no JV, I'm not going to you know, go to practice every day and work my butt off and never see the game, which that's how some kids feel nowadays. I like to think that was it, but I mean, other than that, it's just, I don't know if schools that have lacrosse are taken, you know, like Oak Hill that are taking baseball players away or, or what, but it's, it's, it's scary. I mean, I know that enrollments in schools south, north of Portland are pretty much down, even, even at E.L. and Lewiston, not, not dramatically down, but down. Uh, now, north of Augusta, they're dramatically down. Uh, I know that, I mean, you can only come up with so many kids when they're not there in the school. I mean, I've said before, from the time I left Oak Hill as the principal to today, they're down 200 kids. Yeah, Take we're up. really looking at our, our enrollment, look at the middle school numbers right now coming up, and we're, in the next year or so, we're really going to be flirting with uh, Class D status. Oh, sure. Geesh, that's, uh, that's something I never would have expected to yeah. see. Like that's uh, But then again... Kind of not surprised. So I mean, that's the that's the that's the thing around this whole state right now. I mean, there are, there are, you know, there's a hundred Deragos out there that are, that are small town, small communities, and, and it's getting to the point where they can't find people to move into town. I mean, I you know I've so, kiddingly told you all the Class A basketball teams that used to be north of Bangor, and my best example is Stearns High School. I mean, they won championship after they're under two hundred kids, nine through twelve, under two hundred. They were a Class A basketball school, as well as Fort Fairfield, Prescott, Caribou. All of them were Class A. Now, they're either low, low C, or D. Man, that's a, it's, and, and that's just going to keep happening. So I don't even know what, I don't know what A is going to be at some point. What, what is A going to be? 500 or plus? You know, is it going to be 300 plus? Like, how is that going to work as, as these numbers continue to trickle down? Because, yeah, you're still going to have your Thorntons and your Lewistons and your Oxford Hills, okay? But are, are, is, is it always going to be that, you know, up at that level? That's, that's not – I mean, there's a very good possibility that we might not start, a, start getting to 1,000 people unless you're looking at the southern part of the state. Well, I think the numbers – they've already lowered the numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to keep lowering, keep lowering. I mean, this is going to keep happening. So You have some schools as well that will, uh, you know, I think Wells in football was the exception. Uh, they were actually Class D numbers the last few years, but they yes. conditioned to stay up and see. Right. And Mount Valley, Mount Valley did the same thing, and I think Mount Valley was hurt by that. There were a couple of years where they were, you know, 2-7 and seven or whatever, and they got into that last playoff spot because the Campbell Conference took eight teams in the playoffs. So you're two and seven. You're going up to play the number one team. And you know you're going to get smoked by about forty. Just they finally decide to swallow a little bit of pride and you know go to Class D where the numbers say they should play. And that's why as a coach I will always advocate for that. You know we're going to play where the numbers say we play. So what if we have some success? So what if we win a state championship? Where's the harm in that? Yeah, I I, well, I think the two of those schools made a pact together. If you go down, we'll go down. That kind of thing. And like you said, I I agree. I think it hurt Mountain Valley. 
you know, every time that the MPA and, and by necessity has to adjust the numbers, I think those schools, I this is one of the things that's happened in Levitt, I think. They've been on the low end. Um, you know, if the, if the enrollment figures are from 350 to 750 and you're at 375, whew, there's a lot of difference between your number and the people that are at the actual top of those numbers. You know, there's another whole school. You know, when the, when the range of the schools are 400 kids and you're at the low end and the other somebody else that you're playing is at the top end, you're talking about a couple hundred to 300 kids more to choose from. I mean, you, you can almost guarantee they're going to find a couple players in there somewhere. So... Yeah, I think I think that's affecting it. Uh, I think there's a lot for kids to do these days that uh, that maybe they didn't do in the past. I I told Maddie off the air. I think one of the things that's happened is no matter what we try to do, sports are expensive. You know, just even playing baseball. You know, you there's stuff you got to have, and you take a sport like lacrosse where they pretty much all have their own sticks now, their own helmet. Well, not every kid can spend 200 bucks on all those things. Ice hockey's worse. Nobody provides any equipment. None. They provide the ice time. You got it. You got everything else. So, does that start to limit kids that can participate in some of those things? I say it probably does. At a sport like Oak, at a place like Oak Hill, they started pay to play a long time ago, 20 years ago, I think. I think it's 50 bucks per season. Well, kid plays three sports, you know, 150 bucks. And I, I maintain that if you've got more than one kid playing, they, they give a little bit of a discount. But any of those schools that have pay to play, I I think it puts us. I know there's some that will say, oh, geez, it's only 100 bucks. Well, you know, it's 100 bucks. It's 100 bucks. When you're, when you're freaking, uh, you're worried uh, about your oil bill. And, yeah, when you're worried about your electric bill because you don't know if that's going to go up or not. And if the electric company is even going to have a clue as to why it goes up. But if it doesn't go up, you still need to pay it while they're trying to figure out why it went up, right? You know, we all started some funds that you could come. But, you know, it takes a pretty special kid and all their parents who come to that, the people that run the fund and say, we need the money to be able to play this year you know not a lot of people will do that we, we used to see that in free reduced lunch mm-hmm. there's only the principal that sees the form and yet parents don't really want to put on there how much they make so the kid could get free and reduced or whatever now, i wouldn't say all the parents but certainly that was one of the issues his name is ryan palmer he coaches the Derrico cougars what's what's next on the docket coach what's uh what's coming up we actually go back to lisbon on wednesday to play lisbon today we have a bye and then we uh, we host Mountain Valley on Friday. All right. Well, Great. Oh, you host Mountain Valley on Friday. What time is the game on Friday? Four o'clock. Four o'clock. All right. Hosmer Field, four o'clock. Harlow Park. Harlow Park. Excuse me. Harlow Park. Harlow Park. Harlow Park. Harlow yes, Park. excuse me. That's right. So Harlow Park, Friday at yeah. four. All right. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Thank right. you, my Thanks, friend. Guys. All right. Take care. That is uh, Ryan Palmer. He is the head coach of the Deerago Cougars baseball team. Of course, they were in the news after uh, last weekend.